Hi, this is Sam McIntosh, and this is the Run to the Top podcast. Hello, and welcome to, or welcome back to, the Run to the Top podcast. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik from Runners Connect. As you might know, I've been a regular contributor to our daily coaching podcast, The Extra Kick, for years now, but now I have the opportunity to actually talk to other people, so I'm happy to share the journey with you. We are retooling the run to the top to be more focused on you, the listener and the runner. Our goal is to create a stronger, healthier running community, and we do that by bringing you the latest training and nutrition advice from the experts so that you can become a better runner today. Today, I'm talking with Sam McIntosh. Sam is a marathoner, triathlete, a British weightlifting coach, and a certified nutrition coach. Sam started strength training and weightlifting in 2012 to improve her rugby game. Soon after, she took first place in her weight class at the 2014 Welsh Powerlifting Open. After becoming certified to coach weightlifting, Sam spent three years coaching at the biggest CrossFit box in the UK while studying nutrition at the same time. Sam has coached over 200 clients to leaner, stronger, and more resilient bodies for running and life. She co-founded her coaching company, Indoor Stronger, in 2019, realizing how little strength training and mobility work most of the runners she knew were doing. With her partner, physiotherapist Laura McGeary, she teaches runners how to optimize their running through simple strength training, targeted nutrition, and daily self-management of their pain points. We had a great conversation about the details of both strength training and nutrition with actionable advice that you can incorporate into your running life today. And now, here's my conversation with Sam McIntosh. Today's episode is sponsored by UCAN, the super starch energy bars and powders that provide long-lasting fuel before and during training and races with no sugar spikes and no crashes. Later in the episode, I'm going to outline what the research shows you can can do for your fueling and tell you how you can save 20% on your order. Welcome to the Run to the Top podcast, Sam. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for coming on the show today. It's really my pleasure. Oh, great. Well, we're going to jump right into it. And um, I wanted to talk just a little bit about your history. You're a champion weightlifter, a triathlete, and a marathoner. Mm -hmm. Conventional wisdom says those things don't really mix together really well. It's It's hard to be really fast and really strong at the same time. So can you tell me how you balance those things? Uh, I sure can. I would think that it would be worth mentioning that I'm not particularly fast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I would say, uh, yeah, my, my marathon time is definitely in around the four-hour mark. I'm not, by no means qualifying for Boston yet, but that's definitely on my goal list. But in terms of um, strength, mixing strength training and endurance training, I really I was surprised when I came into the endurance world and found that so many runners weren't doing strength training. 
Um, and I'm talking not just club runners, but people who are winning local 5K and 10K races and qualifying for district championships, which I suppose are like state championships, just not doing any strength training, just because it makes everything um, a lot easier, especially for long distance racing. And um, when you find the balance between the two well, you're just generally a more healthy, mobile individual. Um, and your running can really be as good for you as it possibly can be. So let's break down the burning question that most runners have. How much strength training do you really need? If you're a marathon runner, say. If you're a marathon runner, and I would say two sessions a week is what I usually prescribe for people who are training for, for marathons. Um, but that can go, that can be really appropriate for a, a five or 10K racer as well. I would say if they're going over the shorter distance, they would definitely benefit from more power-based strength workouts. So lots of uh, plyometrics, working the fast twitch stuff and that sort of thing. Whereas marathoners um, and ultra runners in particular, it's more about um, strengthening their bodies for that type of endurance work because you, you don't know anyone who comes to the end of a marathon and they're completely out of breath. They may have done a sprint finish or something, but in those last six miles of a marathon, you're not out of breath and out of puff. You are in pain. Your body is is right. struggling to cope with basically what you're doing to it and how long you've been doing it for. And strength training makes your body more resilient against that sort of pain and against that frequent repetitive impact of running, which I think has a bad rap, you know, how many times have people been told, you know, running's bad for your knees? It's not bad for your knees. If your body's strong enough to cope with the full body movement that is running and, you know, I could go into other stuff about, you know, make, making sure your body's flexible and stable enough to cope with the annual forms good. But it's, yeah, it troubled me a lot when I first came into um, running circles and the triathlon club. I, I was I was astounded that people were covering those types of distances and not strength, strengthening their bodies, literally. So what kind of things do you do you need to do in the gym? So you're there twice a week. What what kind of things would you say are the most important in lightweights, heavyweights, lots of reps, fewer reps? Mm -hmm. Does it matter or or what do you think? Absolutely, it matters. I would say it's it's really based on your goals. So there is um, a guy, I think his name's James Lawrence. He's He did 50 triathlons, Ironman triathlons in 50 states in 50 days. And he advocates a lot of um, non-traditional strength work in his program. So he does like five reps, three reps, one reps of the power lifts. And um, that's quite an unusual approach, but it's definitely one that's workable. You, getting, str getting strong and being able to cope with that much volume at the same time. But I would say for, for most people who are just looking to bulletproof their running and make themselves stronger and more resilient and against injury, we're looking at, you know, six to eight reps. That's what we um, include in our programs that endure stronger. And with weights that are actually really challenging you. And what we do is um, what I see a lot of runners do in the gym. Number one, which we can talk about later, they wear their running trainers in the gym, which just you should not do. And number two, um, they're doing like 20 reps of, of really, really light weight. And you want to make your muscles strong, not to cope with the, the demands of running. Because I think people think because it's a body weight moving exercise it's cumulative stress rather than acute stress so you want to be lifting weights that are challenging you and yeah in terms of movements I think that the genuine sort of like um general sort of like a squat deadlift lunges are great for runners I don't think nearly enough runners do lunges um and also not to neglect the upper body as well we did a post on that recently on the endure stronger account we see a lot of runners just working their lower bodies but running is a full body movement and, you know, 
a lot of the uh, forward propulsion is generated by your arms. So, of course, you want strong arms as well. So think we, we program things like pressing and um, overhead pressing and bench press and things like that. It's very hard to give a general prescription. I think when I'm, I hang out on a lot of runners' Facebook groups um, and give out some advice on there when I see that people have asked for it in these communities and, and they're always looking for these very general prescriptions like how many reps should I do is like it really depends on your goals and it depends on where you're at now like do you strength train already have you only just started what distance do you run um have you got any existing pain points that you need to get you know that you need to improve so it's, it's a very specific question but there are some general recommendations that you that you can use like I and you can definitely I've seen people post their strength training workouts on these Facebook communities and I'm like okay I don't see how that is particularly helping at a glance but again it depends on their goals they might want to look like a bodybuilder who runs and if that is the case then yeah bodybuilding style workouts should be what they're doing Absolutely. Yeah. I uh, recently did a post on this too. So I'm glad that we're in agreement. Um, Lifting heavy, I think is Mm. really important for runners, but not lifting 20, 30 times. You know, you get Mm. your aerobic fitness on the run and you get your strength in the gym. And I feel like it's a misconception that people have to do endurance weightlifting <laughs> and they spend, yeah. you know, all these reps and they're like, why does strength training take so long? It's like, well, maybe you're doing too many reps. So are you in agreement Absolutely. with that? A hundred percent. Yeah. Because it's working a completely different system. Like say um, runners get uh, aerobic workout all the time from their running. They don't need to repeat that in the gym. Um, if they, if they're doing, weights they want to be doing it for power and speed which should come before endurance in the general model of fitness so yeah I'm I'm totally in agreement with you great well let's talk about running form and how can you improve your running form both on the run and in the gym what kind of things can you be working on in the gym so that you're better when you go outside running in terms of form, I think that anything that works your core, so everything originates, a lot of times the feedback that we get from our programs that we do um, at Run Stronger and that sort of thing is that why is there so much core work and why do you talk about, you know, squeezing your tummy muscles all the time? Because we have a Pilates um, supplement, a 10-minute Pilates supplement every day. They're like, why are we just standing, engaging our core core muscles? What's that got to do with running? And why we, why do you always talk about our belly and awareness and that sort of thing? Whether you're bench pressing or deadlifting or squatting, you we want to build a really big awareness of the core because that's going to transfer over into your running. And any strength movement that you do originates from your core and your spine and your trunk. So once any sort of movement like a squat, a press, you know, a deadlift, so a hinging style movement, um, a carry, those those sorts of things that challenge your core in terms of making um, making it resistant to rotation, keeping its integrity. If you learn how to keep it, uh, your core's integrity in strength exercises, that will transfer over into your running without right. even trying. Your body is a full system. So if you're learning it while you're doing squatting and deadlifting and that sort of thing, you will carry that over into right. uh, your running. Yeah, so, yeah, it becomes second second nature to keep that core tight. Yeah. So I I saw something on your um, Instagram that said that you can't gain muscle and lose fat at the same time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say with one caveat, that is, I do believe that. And I do get a lot of pushback from that when I post that on my um, nutrition 
the, the, the account that you, show, that you saw on my personal account, because you can't gain muscle and lose fat at the same time because it, it basically demands two completely opposite things. To gain muscle, which is a metabolically expensive tissue, um, like runners in particular don't want huge amounts of muscle if, they're, if they want to get to the top of their running game because it uses up a lot of oxygen. I think I was listening to one of your podcasts with Dr. Alex Harrison and he said that and I was like, yes, yes, yes. I'm so glad he's saying that because you see all these runners who, um, well, some some runners that I know and they, they want to look muscly, you know, curls for the girls and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, that's cool. Like to supplement your running or full body workouts is fine. But to gain muscle, yeah, like I say, it's a metabolically expensive tissue. Your body won't put it on if it's not reassured by what's called a calorie surplus. So you have to overeat beyond your own energy needs to reassure your body and um, create a state that's permissive for building muscle. Now, when you first start strength training, um, if you're totally new to it, or if you start exercising and you do something like CrossFit or that sort of thing, because you're, you have these sort of newbie gains, you, you may lose weight and gain muscle at a similar sort of time. But that type of body... Uh, recomposition is not really possible for someone who's been doing it for quite a while so I would say a year or more but because you need to gain muscle you need that and you need a salary surplus that's what you need as I say to, to create that permissive state and at the operator end of the world scale to lose fat what you need is a calorie deficit if you if you don't have um, the absence of calories that you need to do your daily functions and your exercise function, you know, what's called your t- TDEE, your total daily energy expenditure, then your body will mobilize your fat stores and you will lose weight. So if you try and gain muscle and lose fat at the same time, do you go into a calorie surplus that's also a calorie deficit? That's thermodynamically impossible. And it's also really hard to track. Some people try, and there's a lot of trainers out there that say, you can lose fat and gain muscle in six weeks doing this program. I'm not saying it's totally impossible. It's very, it's extremely hard. It's extremely hard and it's really hard to track because if you gain a pound one week, it's just like, is that fat or muscle? If you lose a pound or one water, week, <laughs> is that fat or muscle or water? Yeah. And, and there's loads of other variables that go into your body weight as well. So if you want to reliably gain muscle and lose fat at the same time, it's very, very difficult to track that. What's better is to do a periodized sort of dieting approach like you would do with a training block for running and have a fat loss phase, a maintenance phase, and then maybe a muscle gain phase afterwards. Because as well, when you gain muscle, you necessarily at a ratio of around three to one gain fat as well. So you get a lot of people like, I want to gain muscle, but I don't want to put on any fat. It's like, oh, you're going to have to most of the time. Right. Right. So, so how would you fit those cycles into say a marathoner who, you know, trains for a marathon twice a year, but then has a break? Like, how Mm -hmm. would you put, how, how would you put those fat burning phases together with a marathon buildup? With a marathon buildup. So obviously you'd want to keep um, the calorie deficit because even though you can make it very comfortable, it's obviously not ideal if you've got an A race coming up and you need to be at your best. If you're running below what your energy needs are and you've been in that state for a while, that's definitely not ideal if you want to set a PR or something like that. So I would definitely have their fat loss phase in an ideal world. You can run a fat loss phase when someone's training for a race, absolutely. But away in the off season, in the winter, if it's a summer marathon or vice versa, that's what I would do. Okay. Yeah. Because we have a lot of people who, who complain, I'm training for a marathon. Why am I gaining weight? So mm-hmm. um, I think that that timing your specific phases could actually really help people. Yes, it's a lot more clear cut and it's a lot easier to 
to, as I say, mentally, because you're like, I'm losing weight. And, uh, and if you accept as well, my performance may take a bit of a dive on my long runs. Um, it shouldn't take too much of a dive. You should still perform pretty well, but it may be that you're a little more sluggish than usual, definitely towards the end of a fat loss phase. If it's 12 weeks in the last three weeks, you're going to be hungry some of the time. That's another thing that people don't seem to want to accept about dieting. So it's like, you're going to be hungry sometimes. And, right. and that's, a, that's, a, that's it's a normal part of dieting. It's a natural part of dieting. It shouldn't be, effect, it should, it shouldn't be excessive, but it's definitely going to be there. And if you accept that I'm, I'm taking a little trade-off now to improve my performance in the long run, that is that that's the mark of an excellent athlete that's you know um short-term sacrifice for a long-term gain so okay well let's get a little deeper into nutrition um everybody's all about the macros fat carbs and protein Mm -hmm. um so what do people really need um as far and how should they go about measuring it as far as runners go it really I'm going to probably annoy you with how many times I say this, but it really depends. If there are two avenues that I usually use with athletes um, or with actually with most people, you have a habit based approach where you have the sort of the bottom of the pyramid checking off the things that most people know just as general wisdom. So you want to make sure that you're eating, um, you know, two two servings of fruits and vegetables with everything you eat. You want to make sure you have a portion of lean protein with every meal. So one palm for women, two palm for men. You want to make sure that you're eating um, smart carbs. So getting enough carbohydrate to fuel your activity. And I'll come back to how you can sort of work that out for yourself later. Um, A small amount of fat, one to two thumbfuls of fat. And your plate should always, pretty much always look like that. And also a regular daily, uh, sorry, a regular exercise regimen that you trust. And that's that's good. And also managing things like stress and sleep. If someone comes to me and the bo- that bottom of the pyramid is totally non-existent, so four hours of sleep a night, McDonald's three times a day, um, no exercise regimen in place. Um, and some runners come to me and they're great at running, but everything else is just horrendous. So their stress is really high, their sleep's really high, um, and their nutrition's appalling. Then it's like, okay, before we move on to the macro side of things, like counting, you know, saying you need X, X amount of grams of protein, you need carbs and fat, we need to get the base of your pyramid done because we will always want to build from there rather than saying, okay, grab my fitness pal, I'm going to plug in these macros, start scanning the barcodes of every single thing you eat because it's, it's, it's literally running before you can walk. So we right. want to make sure that people can walk first. So I would say for runners, um, and this is regardless of, of level, I've, I've known some really high level, really excellent runners with appalling diets. If they're, they're, they ask, they're asking me about supplements and gels and the nitty gritty, and it's like you don't have your, your plate for three meals a day is, is awful. Don't worry about gels. Don't worry about supplements. You need to sort that out first. As I mentioned at the start of the show, today's episode is brought to you courtesy of UCAN, the super starch energy bars and powders that provide long-lasting fuel before and during your training and races with no sugar spikes and no crashes. Since we love companies and products backed by science and research, UCAN has been one of our favorite fueling products for years. Independent, peer-reviewed studies have shown that UCAN's patented superstarch formula delivers a steady release of carbohydrates over several hours, 
giving you long-lasting energy without the spike and crash in blood glucose. By avoiding the sugar spikes, Superstarch help put athletes in the metabolic state to burn more fat and be less reliant on frequent feedings of sugar-based fuels during the run. All this data means using UCAN can help you avoid hitting the dreaded wall during the half, full, and ultramarathon distance. UCAN is also gentle on the stomach and used by Olympians Meb Kaflesky and Dathan Ritzenheim, pro runner Sarah Sellers, and more than 50 2020 Olympic Marathon Trials Qualifiers. And because we know you love your science-backed products, we've got a special deal for you to try UCAN yourself. Head to runnersconnect.net slash UCAN. That's U-C-A-N. And use the code R-T-T-T and you'll get 20% off your first order. For runners, um, and this is regardless of, of level, I've, I've known some really high-level, really excellent runners with appalling diets. If they're, they're, they ask, they're asking me about supplements and gels and the nitty-gritty, and it's like you don't have your, your plate for three meals a day is, is awful. Don't worry about gels. Don't worry about supplements. You need to sort that out first. Yeah. I, I noticed you talked about um, palmfuls and thumbfuls. Is, yeah. is that um, a better way of measuring versus, like you said, the MyFitnessPal, putting everything into a calculator? Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So it's, it's an intuitive way of eating. And it, I definitely don't advocate one or the other. I think it's certainly, it's obviously a lot more accurate if you track your food. And that's why a lot of people like it. A lot of people like how um, exact it is. Other people, most people in my experience as a practitioner, don't want to be glued to their phone any more than they have to be and don't want to scan and weigh and measure everything that goes into their mouth. That's just not not for them. An intuitive approach is something that you can always have in your back pocket. And the macro-based approach takes a lot more dedication. And if you don't have enough dedication to literally hold your hand out beside a, a portion of food and make sure it generally looks okay, I don't see something working long-term where you have to be that precise. Again, it's the running before you can walk thing. So I would say, obviously... Counting macros, counting calories. Um, so the company that Alex Harrison works for, who, who I actually how I found a podcast, he posted on um, an endurance group I'm a part of. His company specializes in creating macro-based training plans, but it kind of, it's like a mixture of the two. So they have um, more general macro prescriptions that sort of sorts it out for you rather than having to weigh and measure every sort of thing. That's a really great compromise, but it's still a little bit, too much for some people and you'll get 90 in my opinion anyway 90 percent of the benefits if you have those basic bottom of the pyramid habits there and then if you want those extra five percent of gains then you can look into weigh and measuring your food and then that's time that you invest just like you invest your time in training to being that little bit better right so definitely good carbs protein and some fat um, mm-hmm. you're not a low carb approach to running or anything like that. Um, I'm sure you have, um, higher protein for your, um, weightlifting clients and more carbs for runners. Is that basically how you do it? Absolutely. Yeah. So in, um, I, I started off working with CrossFit athletes and Olympic weightlifting athletes, um, and some powerlifters too. And they were looking at like a gram per pound of body weight for like a protein prescription runners even runners who do two strength workouts a week and are working with heavy weights i would say generally 
I would put them at about 0.7 grams of protein per day. And um, some that strikes some people as low, but it's because we're going through a bit of a protein craze at the moment. Like there's, you know, high in protein slapped on everything that has a vague amount of protein in it. So I think runners maybe read something like along those lines, like you should eat more protein and that sort of thing. But generally, I think runners get at least adequate protein for how much they need. And most of the time, it's just a case of adding in maybe a shake, a, pre, a post-training shake, or just, you know, bumping it up to two palms of protein per meal, rather than, you know, going crazy and eating every chicken leg and keeping some tucked behind your ears just in case you, you run out. So yeah, about 0.7 grams of protein for runners is the general, really general prescription that I'd make. Okay, great. Okay, so let's say you've got your 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 food pretty much dialed in. Um, what would you say are the supplements that um, runners need, or do we need any? I don't particularly hold much stock. I think that we can get a lot of what we need, everything that we need from the food we eat. But with that said, I think that everyone on a standard sort of Western diet could benefit from an omega three supplement. So we generally, a standard Western diet is really high in omega-6 fats. That's why omega-3s are seen as the good fats, even though we should probably have equal amounts of um, all of them. So most people that I know, if you wanted like a really easy win, an omega-3 supplement, fish oil, or, um, you know, if you're vegan, going for um, the plant-based sort of alternatives, that would be a a super easy win if you're not taking that right now, because chances are if you're on a, a standard American diet or a standard British diet, you're not getting enough. So I would say, yeah. I would say that. And also I think most runners know that they know that they need carbs, but they're kind of hesitant about eating enough and generally don't eat nearly as much as they need, especially for ultra runners and marathon runners. They need, they need a huge amount of carbs. And I think because we've become kind of carb phobic in the same way we were fat phobic in the nineties, um, most runners aren't eating enough. If they're just training for athletic performance and recovery, they're not eating enough carbs generally is yeah. what I find. Good. I love carbs. So I love hearing that. Me too. Me too. <laughs> um, what are some of the biggest nutrition misconceptions that you have to kind of steer people away from? We've already gone over the gain muscle, lose fat one. That's one that I right. think I have to correct like, literally all the time. I think um, at the moment with a lot of runners, especially high level ones, is, is the carb phobia thing. And Mm-hmm. A lot of I have a probably three inquiries a day to my nutrition account asking, would I be able to run faster if I cut out carbs? And it's like, mm-hmm. mm, like no. There are obviously fat 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 adaptation process that you can go to on, on like a ketogenic diet, which is very popular at the moment. And I've seen people and know people who have had really great results on a keto diet when they're running long distances, but they generally are ultra runners, so not running at right. a clip, and um, and they need more fat in their in their mid-race nutrition anyway so it kind of like because you work in the what's called the oxidative pathway rather than the glycolytic one and the oxidative runs on fat rather than on carbs so but with generally for runners like it's definitely not something you should try at home and not without the 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 uh, good guidance of a really trusted coach so what i usually say to people like that if you really really want to go low carbs say you've got a history of diabetes or you just don't like them you're you're attached to the idea of keto then just get a a coach who specializes specifically in that to to guide you through it and don't try it by yourself because you'll end up killed over in the side of the road or you know face first <laughs> in a box full of crispy creams so. <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh, certainly one of the one of the questions that we get about nutrition the most is mm-hmm. 
What do you eat before a run, during oh. a run, and after a run? I can't believe I forgot <laughs> those. I forgot all those. Yeah, the um, before, I mean, I would say because of the, the rate of gastric emptying for, for, for things, what I usually say is that, like, vegetables are great because they, they, you digest them really quick, but they're, they're quite low energy. Um, do you see what I mean? If you're not talking about things like bananas and things like that. I like stuff that's pretty much digested for you already. So like a small amount of protein with a little bit of carbs. But most of the time you want to keep the carbs until after your run, because obviously what's called your glycogen store, so where your muscles store the sugar, um, they're completely wiped after you run. So you want to make sure that you have your biggest hit of carbohydrates in a single sitting after you run. And in terms of what should I eat in the middle of a run, I would say anything... see this question a lot on the forums as well um anything is a really general rule 45 minutes to an hour plus you um want to have some some form of carbohydrate with you easily digestible carbohydrate i saw a post from a lady who's actually not too far from me the other day and she said i just um i really don't want to stick i really want to stay clear of refined sugar i i want to um you know train for my marathon without it and i just commented on the post and I was like you're gonna to have to have some re- refined sugar <laughs> like yeah just to break it to you like the gels <laughs> and that sort of thing because refined sugar it has a bad rap because people are um, scared of like the risk of type 2 but diabetes and that sort of thing there's also links to like diseases like Alzheimer's totally like it's 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 a legitimate cause for concern if you're not active but for most runners, they're, they're super active. So you don't really need to be running uh, worried about refined sugar, especially if you're taking it just before, during and after your workout. Glucose is glucose and your body is just going to love that after you've done something that demanding. So, yeah, I'd say that there's a lot of people who are concerned about that who definitely should be. After an 18 mile run, you, you don't worry about how your body's going to handle refined sugar. <laughs> right. You're going to need that insulin response to 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 recover so great all right well we are heading into the home stretch here so um i'd love to ask you what advice would you give yourself back when you started running and training and weightlifting what advice would i give myself don't be so i was very when i first started training very outcome focused i was always when i get into the yeah when i get into this weight class and when I get this time and when I can squat this much, suddenly I just thought that I'd be happy or happier with myself as an athlete and prouder of what I achieved. But I, as I became more, I read a book called Mindset by Carol Dweck, which is one of my favorite books. And it's great. I, yeah. you, it, she really focuses on how, you know, it's not about the outcome, it's about enjoying the process. So when people say to me, like, I, I don't really... I think they're quite surprised that they say, you know, I want to start exercising. Do you recommend I try running? Okay. Well, do you like it? No, I hate it. Don't do it then. If you don't like running, (laughs) if you don't like running and you're not going to enjoy the process of exercising, try Zumba, try, you know, go and have a kickabout game of football or something, but just look at the process in your training. So if you're training for a marathon, if you're training for an Ironman and ask myself, most of the time, am I enjoying this? Because if you're not, you're not going to take it to the level that you need to because you need to enjoy what you're doing day in, day out. You don't always have to love it. But I, I would say that to myself because I just ground through hours of training and just never felt good about what I was doing because I was so focused on the outcome. But as soon as I, it's why I started to run again after a, a four-year break after I ran my first marathon because when someone asked me, like, what exercise do you love to do? It's like, I love to run. That and stop hill striking. <laughs> <laughs> 
that that could be a, a whole nother podcast all by itself. I think. Yeah, um, <laughs> I can see one on that too. Yeah. yeah. Um, what is the best gift that running has given to you? It helps. It really helps my mood. To be totally transparent, like I'm, uh, there's a lady that I love, an author called Gretchen Rubin. She talks about like a natural happiness scale, and I'm not a pessimist or like a generally like really grouchy person. But my, I think it's like one to seven. Mine's like naturally at like a a four. I like I like meaningful experiences and that sort of thing. But running really turns me into it makes me happy. Like after I do it, that's what I love about running. And um, over here in the UK, we do a run every day January um for mental health uh, to raise money for mind and I just think that's great because most of the clients that running clients that I've had they've had such a mental benefit from running it's helped them get through something it it helps their mood it gives them purpose that's what I love the most about it and I think that's why runners are uh, my favorite athletes to work with awesome uh and finally where can people connect with you uh so use instagram is the best place to find me so I have uh Instagram, so at Sam McIntosh, so S-A-M-M-A-C-I-N-T-O-S-H. I post mainly nutrition stuff on there, um, but my company, uh, Endure Stronger, so it's literally like Endure as an endurance and then Stronger, the word, all together on Instagram. We post out um, nutrition videos and stability exercises and uh, mobility exercises and strength um, tips for the gym, basically stuff that we like to see runners doing more of, and it's all for free. So if people want to know, you know, some suggestions on what to do in the gym, how to improve their running form and improve their core strength, um, I run that with uh, my partner, Laura, and she's a physiotherapist, so she drops some some knowledge on there too. So, yeah, that would be probably the best place. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on the Run to the Top podcast, Sam. Our goal at Runners Connect is to create a stronger, healthier running community so that everyone can run as well as they can, as long as they can. And I want to thank you for being a part of it. You're very welcome. Thank you for inviting me to be on. Really enjoyed that conversation with Sam. Always good to know that the advice that I've been preaching to my athletes about weightlifting and training and nutrition is still on point. Sam will be working with Runners Connect soon to bring you more detailed content about everything you could possibly want to know about strength training and nutrition for runners. So be on the lookout for her soon. And that's it for this week's Run to the Top. I hope you enjoyed it, and I'm really excited to bring you more episodes. If you liked it, or even if you didn't, let us know what you think by leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great run today. Thanks for listening to the Run to the Top podcast from runnersconnect.net. 